huge savings on new and previously leased furnishings. That's right, huge savings. At Court Furniture Clearance Center, choose from our wide variety of new and previously leased furniture and decor for your home or office. You'll find sofas from $199.99 and more. Everything in our 9,000 square foot showroom is Court certified, guaranteed, and in stock. Ready for delivery or to take home today. Visit our Chantilly Court Furniture Clearance Center at 13946 Lee Jackson Memorial Highway or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com. Mention Radio 20 and get 20% off. Blog Talk Radio. Rhyme ruler, the mind of the master The yeah. prom poet designed for disaster A crime candidate, the light heavyweight I yeah. might levitate right through the heaven's gate Rhymes record break, next bonds and vertebrae Simple yeah. and plain like Kanye, I heard him say It's murder one when he murder tracks I'm a dirtbag, yeah. flirting with songbirds and Birkin bags My first rap, catch Roberta Flack I'm a certified Mac, but I'm sure you ain't heard of that Slim thug in them hoes, they been loving the flow They been hunting for men like in vogue and I, I'm in season the season vet. I don't need respect. All I need is to check. Mike, check. You prepare for a show, you get ready, you look up some stats, you send out a basic outline, you think, you know, the way that a podcast is going to go, and then all of a sudden, the Memphis Grizzlies make a move hours leading up to your live recording, and you're in a spot where you're scrambling just a little bit, but at least we know we'll have plenty to discuss on this week's episode of Grizzly Bear Blues Live, wherever you are, however you're listening to the podcast, thank you so much for joining us. My name is Joe Mullinax. I'm the host of this little show, and I am also the site manager of SB Nation's grizzlybearblues.com. Happy 2019 to you and yours. Hopefully you had a good New Year's break and uh, you're settling back in to the routine of things as the holidays come to a close. The Memphis Grizzlies have kept things interesting the last 24 hours. Uh, A terrible loss to the Detroit Pistons a team meeting that had J.B. Bakerstaff later than usual to his uh, media availability. Apparently a big fight, a, uh, a scrap, if you will, between two Memphis Grizzlies uh, that need players and coaches separating the two. And then, of course, Justin Holliday is the newest member of the Memphis Grizzlies, a trade reported by Adrian Wojnarowski and Shams, Shams excuse me, Charania, uh, the two main newsbreakers in NBA basketball talking about Wayne Selden and Marshawn Brooks, two second-round picks, heading to Chicago in Justin Holiday. Not Drew Holiday. I know there was some co- confusion with Marshawn and Dylan a couple of weeks ago, uh, but this is Justin Holiday. They are related brothers, uh, but Justin's coming to Memphis. He's an upgrade over those two particular players, but two second-round picks, is that a lot to give up? What does this mean for the Grizzlies as a whole? Obviously, they're kind of in the middle of a free fall at the moment. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we got a lot to discuss and dive into. and We're going to get right to it with our guest this week. Excited to have him back on the show. Uh, he does a remarkable job, and those over at Fast Break Breakfast uh, as a whole do a really good job. But Keith is kind of the main guy behind it. Uh, they do a great, great work, or they do great, great work balancing comedy and the, the humor of things along with very, very good NBA basketball analysis. They do a great job over at the Step Back uh, for that network, and we're excited to have Keith from Fast Break Breakfast back on the podcast. Uh, it's been a while, Keith. How are you doing? I'm great, Joe. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. I know you like being busy, and the Grizzlies have certainly kept us busy the past 24 hours. How are you holding up over there? 
I'm holding up great. I do feel like the Grizzlies have been in the national conversation more this season than they have, even when they were really good. It seems like there's been Grizzlies features written all the time. There was the fake trade or the, the, the trade that fell through with Dylan or Marshawn Brooks made national news. Uh, there's the fake Sham Sharani report that Austin Rivers was coming to the Grizzlies. I feel like Woj and Sham have said Grizzlies more this season than almost ever. And it seems like you know, there's been like the all-star push for Mike Conley being on a couple like national programs on uh, Woj's pod and like low post. I feel like it's a season everybody's talking about the Grizzlies. So I, I like it. it. It's fun when uh, my favorite team is kind of higher in the national consciousness because then I get the excuse to talk about it more on uh, Fast Break Breakfast, which is ostensibly a national program, but uh, two of us are big Grizzlies fans, so we like talking about them. Well, you guys do a great job over there, and I can tell you, I don't, I don't know about your, uh, your current situation over there, and you don't, I don't mean to pry, but Grizzly Bear Blues had a pretty good 2018 in terms of growth. So, yeah, I think that there's something to be said for people paying attention a little bit more, at least our traffic and, and the stuff that we're dealing with over here. And it's probably similar for you guys as well. There's interest in the Grizzlies, probably partially because they're trying so desperately to be as different as possible from the, most of the rest of the NBA, uh, but also because of the, the ineptitude of the past month or so for the team and the front office, uh, whoever's to blame for that. We can talk more about a little bit later on, but let's jump right into the, the trade. Justin Holiday. here are his current numbers. Uh, he started every game for the Chicago Bulls so far this year. He's averaging about 35 minutes a game. He's shooting 38.3% from the field, 35.9% from beyond the arc. He's averaging 11.6 points a game. Uh, his per 100 possession numbers, offensive and defensive rating, a little bit skewed because the Bulls are so bad. Uh, his offensive rating is 102, defensive rating 110. So that's a negative eight, not particularly good there. Uh, his win shares per 48 minutes, actually not, you know, compared to the other players on the roster and especially compared to the guys that he was just traded for, Wayne Selden and Marshawn Brooks. 0.052 could be better, but it's not god-awful, comparatively speaking. Uh, here's where I'm at with this, Keith. The Grizzlies got better tonight. I think that's fair to say. They're better tonight than they were last night when they lost to the Pistons. Whether you use Holiday as a starter, as a bench player, I think he'll start as a bench player at the very least. Uh, to me, th- what makes this trade hurt more th- is, is not losing Marshawn Brooks and Wayne Selden Jr. Because you already made it clear you were willing to trade those two pieces. Kelly Oubre Jr. certainly would have been a better return on what has been sent out than Justin Holiday, But you've shown that you're willing to already move on from those guys. So it makes sense to kind of make this move now and try to remain relevant in the Western Conference playoff picture. However, the Bulls almost certainly were more interested in the two second-round picks that are both unprotected that are coming over, and that is where I think a lot of people are getting hung up. It feels like another Band-Aid on a bullet wound, so to speak, trying to cover up a giant gaping claw mark uh, with, a, <laughs> with a basic you know, princess Band-Aid that my three-year-old would use. There, there's a lot of issues on this team, and this doesn't necessarily solve them, does allow for them to at least say that they have improved their opportunity at pursuing a playoff berth. I do think they're better in that current situation or in the current situation than they were just 24 hours ago. But the question is, Keith, at what cost? Well, so you you brought up a lot of things there. Yes, 
what you started with, the Grizzlies are absolutely a better basketball team with Justin Holiday than they would be with Wayne Selden or Marshawn Brooks. Justin Holiday is, is a solid veteran. He, he's a good defender. Um, he's really good at getting steals. That adds another guy to the Grizzlies who can get steals. Like now that can create some really interesting defensive lineups. Like I'm, I'm getting excited thinking about like Garrett Temple, uh, Justin Holiday, Kyle Anderson, all those guys is, is like your two through four. That's really intriguing to me. That that can be a very good, versatile, switchy defense that, that I, I want to see. Uh, he's a very willing three-point shooter. Um, he's in a big slump right now, um, which, you know, take it for what it's worth. Much like the Grizzlies, he's been pretty bad uh, since December 1st. But in November and December of this year, he was hitting 40% of his threes, and that's on three makes per game. So, like, he was massive volume shooter and he puts him up fast. Uh, he, he doesn't hesitate. Like when he catches that ball, it just goes up. Now, some of it is the old, is it he's on a really bad team? Is it the looter in the riot? He's just getting the shots up for the Bulls. And that's the question. And, and you mentioned his, his, um, like his win shares and, you know, that's stuff to parse out on a team as bad as the Bulls. But, again, it, it was the best among, among Bulls. It's, it's, he has one of the only, like, okay numbers. So, Getting him, absolutely, it's an upgrade. I'm excited about it. I, I think it's a good trade for the Grizzlies. At what cost is almost a philosophical question at this point. The Grizzlies are, in my mind, almost certainly not going to make the playoffs. I think it's, they're an extreme long shot. Even with the, the early start, um, to catch the, the teams ahead of them and even a team behind them, the Utah Jazz, who has a much easier schedule for the rest of the season uh i don't you know i feel like playoffs are almost out of the picture for the grizzlies so the one of the commonly held beliefs among nba writers like your zach lowe's is you know if you're not going to make the playoffs don't trade away a future asset just for this season and that's where you can have i guess a philosophical debate about what you value and what the cost of winning is and what why you watch nba basketball games and I think the Grizzlies front office has demonstrated um, with no judgment. I say they've demonstrated they value putting a a good product on the court and trying to maximize their current teams. Last year, the exception, you know, that they had the Mike Conley injury and they, the tea leaves, whatever they read them, uh, they tanked out, but it was like a special circumstance. So this team made a move to get better. Um, and I'm okay with it that this team is chasing wins this season because, uh, you know, a lot of people have pointed out that they probably want to fulfill their first-round pick debt to the Boston Celtics this season. So they don't want to be too bad. Uh, they're just going to tr- gonna go for it. And so they paid the price of two second-round picks. Uh, Grizzlies' second-round pick history is, is pretty rough outside of Dylan Brooks. They've wasted tons of second-round picks. They've traded to get more second-round picks. They traded a first-round pick, you know, to draft Deontay Davis and Roddy Zagorac in the second round, which is a complete waste of resources. Darnell Stokes, who they just re-signed uh, to a two-way contract, they traded a second-round pick to get him. It uh, didn't really pan out. So I'm not super worried about trading away these second-round picks because I'm not – philosophically, I'm not like uh, we have to hoard all these assets – so I'm okay with paying this price of second-round picks to the Bulls. And also, uh, it's the Bulls. They might just sell them back to us for cash. <laughs> You're exactly right about that. 
Nikola Jokic, uh, Malcolm Brogdon. Those are just two of the names that could have possibly <laughs> been Memphis well, Grizzlies. Malcolm Brogdon, Malcolm Brogdon picked 36th with uh, Zagorac and uh, Deontay Davis picking 31st and 35th. But anyway. Exactly. No, that, that hurts me a lot. Because Malcolm Brogdon, <laughs> you look at what he's doing for the Bucks, uh, And the way he plays the game, his style. God, I, I wrote about him this week over at the blog, grizzlybearblues.com, uh, as a trade target. God, he'd be perfect. Uh, but it's not going to happen. The Bucks are going to keep him around. No, it's fun no, to hypothetically write at the blog. He's untouchable. Uh, yeah. um, no, they're not moving him. They, they made trades to make sure they could keep him. Um, but anyway, we're chatting with Keith from the Fast Break Breakfast crew. Make sure you're following them on Twitter at Fast Break Break. They do a great job, great podcast. If you don't listen to them, uh, chances are you probably do if you listen to this podcast. But if you don't, you definitely need to give them a, a listen and a shout out and check them out. Uh, moving forward uh, just 24 hours ago uh, it seemed like or a little bit more or less than 24 hours ago we were all waiting up staying up late or at least in my case on, on the east coast staying up late trying to see what the hell was taking jb bickerstaff so long the grizzlies had just dropped a pretty tough game to the detroit pistons and you looked at the loss and it, it was bad like, it was the first time that and you could always the past few weeks, everybody's kind of had varying levels and degrees of disappointment, uh, times when they've kind of been fed up and as the Grizzlies have performed poorly. Wednesday night was my night, uh, watching the Pistons game, seeing how badly they were performing, especially defensively, the area where they're supposed to be hanging their hat. Uh, there were just so many wide-open shots for a Pistons team who isn't exquisite at shooting the three. Uh, they had a dominant performance from that area. you know. So they, they really – ran the Grizzlies off the court in the second half. It was Memphis that looked like they were on the second night of the back-to-back, not Detroit. And J.B. Bickerstaff took over 30 minutes to get to his media uh, availability, which is very uncommon. He comes in. Uh, our Mark King was covering the game uh, for us at GBB, and he talks about a team meeting. Then Shams reports about an hour later that it was a confrontation between Omri Caspi and Garrett Temple. Uh, blows are, are thrown, according to some reports, and it, it just seems like a big mess. So when you look at what Memphis did again on Wednesday night, do you think that the trade that they made tonight was in response to that? Or do you think that Justin Holiday would have been a Grizzly regardless? Like how much do you think the events of the Pistons game, both on and off the court, led to them saying we need to make a move and we need to do it now? I think – Justin Holiday probably would have been a Grizzly regardless of what happened on Wednesday night. I think there's something to be said. Maybe the awkwardness of the failed trade of Dylan, Marshawn, uh, you know, and Wayne Selden. Maybe like maybe Wayne and Marshawn, you know, they said all the right things. Maybe that was getting weird. Maybe there's an extra tension for that. But no, I think the team wanted to make a move before then. I think. The, Eyeing a veteran like Justin Holiday, uh, who is a, a defensive guy who shoots threes willingly, it seems like a target they would have gone for all along. And if they were willing to move two second-round picks to get them, which uh, we found out last year with Tyreek Evans, not everyone's willing to you know, offer two second-round picks for things. Um, I, I think this is a deal they would have made anyway because it was, I mean, it was a gaping need for the Grizzlies to have another wing, have someone who could play like a shooting guard, even if you don't want to assign labels to your wings, but they, they pretty much needed another two. So I, I think they would have made this deal, you know, despite what happened on Wednesday. He, he fits what they need to an extent. He's not a savior, 
but he, he does provide scoring. Uh, he does provide the ability to, on a limited basis, be able to create off dribble. He's a decent enough defender where he's not going to completely crush you there. And, and you mentioned his steals and his ability to play passing lanes and, and defend on the ball. That does lead to a lot of potential creative opportunities, especially if J.B. Bickerstaff is allowed to get a little bit, air quotes, weird, and let Kyle Anderson run point forward, which he clearly is really good at. You know, Kyle Anderson, Garrett Temple, Justin Holiday, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., Marcus All. Yeah, good luck scoring on that line. You know what I mean? I, I think, and I'm, I'm, I'm with you in terms of being excited about what he can do for this year's team. Uh, to me, I, I think you're right. I think this trade probably happens regardless of the events of the, of the post-Pistons uh, brouhaha, so to speak. Uh, but at the same time, you, you look at the reasoning for that, obviously Garrett Temple, Omri Caspi still on the roster, at least for now, Garrett Temple's expiring contract could uh, potentially be swung in a future deal. Same thing with Jermichael Green. Um, moving forward, how do you see this all kind of playing out in terms of the roster? Uh, obviously, uh, I, I don't imagine Holiday will be available to Memphis until Monday against the Pelicans, probably. Uh, the Grizzlies have a back-to-back Friday, Saturday coming up the next couple of nights. Uh, so he probably won't be available to them until that Monday game. But when you look at the team, do you see Garrett Temple remaining the starter? Do you see Dylan Brooks maybe continuing to build his way back up the starting role or starters minutes? Does Justin Holiday take that role? Uh, we have a poll currently going over at our Twitter account, at SBN Grizzlies. If you don't follow us there, make sure you do. And I think it's a fascinating question, and the current results – in that poll, uh, over 233 votes. Thanks to everybody who's voted so far. Uh, right now, they have Justin Holiday eventually becoming the starter. Dylan Brooks in second place in the voting as of this moment. And Garrett Temple, a somewhat distant third, which is kind of surprising considering he's had a decent year and he's the starter there now. So how do you see this kind of shaking out over the next few weeks as Holiday gets acclimated to the Grizzlies? Well, so that's the question, and I'm almost hesitant to guess because so far, J.B. Bickerstaff hasn't used the players in the lineup like I would assume he would. Uh, you said you said earlier, or a second ago, that may, maybe uh, Bickerstaff would get weird. I honestly want him to get less weird with the lineup. Like, I feel like the Grizzlies went into this season and be like, we're going to be weird, we're going to play big. And then they got Joe Kim Noah, we're going to play, no, no, we're going to play really big. And I think getting Justin Holiday now – puts together a roster where you need to quit getting so big. Like Joakim Noah should not play. We now have, we now have Dylan Brooks and Justin holiday coming off the bench. If you keep the current starting lineup and I like the current starting lineup, like uh, Mike Conley, Garrett Temple, Kyle Anderson, Jaron Jackson, Jr. Marcus Saul has been one of the best five man units in the NBA based on that rating. That, that is a very good lineup. Like my issues and I actually posted something on the step back today and had a podcast earlier, earlier this week about how, why aren't they closing with that five-man unit? Like, they're starting with it. Why aren't they closing with it? It doesn't make any sense. So I, I like that Justin Holiday is now an upgrade of talent, and so hopefully some of these minutes that have been going to Joe Kim Noah, we can play smaller. We can play Kyle Anderson at the four. We can play – we can get weird. We can put Garrett Temple at the four, play – Four wings and, and one of the bigs, if it's Jaron Jackson Jr. or, or Marcus Saul. Um, but that's what I want to see. So, like, my, my true fear is we see something weird, like Kyle Anderson back to the bench, like he started the season 
inexplicably. Or we see something – my concern is, oh, we have Justin Holiday, That's cool. But then we just see, like, more weird lineups. We see Dylan Brooks playing five minutes again. I think this team – I think his team uh, has four good players, you know, clearly good players in Gasol and Jaron Jackson Jr. and Conley and Kyle Anderson. And now we have a few other decent players, I think, in Garrett Temple, and you add Justin Holly to that. And, like, then you have Dylan Brooks and, you know, Jermichael Green, whatever. Like, and I'm fine with Shelvin Mack taking a few 12-minute roll. But, like, that's kind of it. I'm fine with Omri Cassie playing some four, you know, if needed. But I would like to see with Justin Holiday now – we get a little less weird, a little less clunky and huge, because I don't think it's been working at all. After like after they signed Joe Kim Noah and he was apparently had all his, you know all the adrenaline going, and they won those first two games. I think against the um, I think the Blazers and then the Pelicans. The, the Grizzlies are are three and ten since that, and every line of, every time Joe Kim Noah's out there, it seems horrifying. Like they don't know how to score, and I don't know who's supposed to guard. And so I, I would hope now that with Justin Holiday, we can play with, you know, just have more wings out there, guys who can shoot. You play three, your three bigs. I don't, I feel like Jermichael Green as a backup five or four can cover all the minutes between them. And then the extra few minutes of power forward can go to a Kyle Anderson. We can finally see some of those like him playing at power forward or even Omri Cassie playing at power forward. I think Omri Cassie has been good this year when he's played except for like on Wednesday night, he wasn't particularly great. And then he got in a fight afterwards, but he was playing the three almost every time he was out there, which it's not great. So I hope Justin holiday gives them the freedom. Now they have another guy who can play too comfortably to don't worry about playing so big size up some of your taller forwards and let them just play four and only have one true big out there. So that's kind of my hope, uh, whether that happens, you know, who knows. And notice that nowhere in Keith's explanation there, and I support him on this, was Shelvin Mack referenced. Uh, less minutes for Shelvin Mack. That's where my hope for this is. Shelvin Mack has to back up Mike Conley, but you assume Mike Conley plays 34 to 36 minutes a game, and I guess he doesn't have to. Uh, there's a cult yeah. of Javon Carter that would argue that, that Javon should get those minutes. But if you assume that Shelvin Mack is slightly better than Javon Carter at this point, which, again, I understand is an assumption, but let's, let's just go with that for the moment. Um, this would put Shelvin Mack hopefully in the 14-ish minutes a night range instead of yeah. the 20-plus that he's been playing, and Justin Holiday can eat some of those minutes. So that's one of my hopes coming out of this, is it allows for Shelvin Mack to be less of a sixth man, because he shouldn't be a sixth man. He should be, at most, a backup point, and uh, he can focus on that and just kind of take those minutes, and Justin Holiday can eat some of the time uh, that Mack was playing on the wing. Because Holiday's bigger, Holiday has a, a better defensive capability in terms of versatility, defending multiple positions. It, it gives them that versatility there as well. We're chatting with Keith Parrish of the Fast Break Breakfast podcast. They do a great job over there uh, covering not just the Grizzlies, but the entire league. Make sure you're following them on Twitter if you don't already do so, at Fast Break Break. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr. has to feel so weird, right? Watching all of this craziness unfold in his first NBA season. Most everybody agrees that he is the guy that they should be building around moving forward. I wrote over 3,100 words because blogger Joe is back after my football season being done. Um, but mm -hmm. I sat down and I kind of took a look at how to build via trade, hypothetically speaking, around Jaron Jackson Jr. I had one article that focused on maybe more realistic role player types, Trey Lyles, uh, DeLon Wright, Stanley Johnson, players that certainly aren't going to set the world on fire, but in theory, 
have skill sets that would maybe be malleable to what you're looking to do with Jaron Jackson Jr. And then the second one was maybe a bit less unrealistic, Malcolm Brogdon. And then uh, I almost threw up when I did it, but Andrew Wiggins um, (laughs) also potentially, again, the, the goal of the piece was to find young flawed pieces that you wouldn't have to pay too much for in theory to try to put next to Jaron and they could grow together. So you look at what Jaron Jackson is doing here and now, as far as the holiday trade compared to what Gasol and Conley are, as long as Marc Gasol and Mike Conley are on this roster, they are going to do trades like this to try to maximize them. That's what they're going to do. Whether you agree with it or disagree with it, that's why there's blogs and podcasts and message boards and Reddit and all that kind of stuff. That's why we, we do what we do. So you can agree or disagree with that, but that is the fact. They're going to keep doing these kinds of moves to try to max Mark and Mike. At what point, Keith, do you look at this team and say that or should the Grizzlies front office look at their roster, I should say, and they say to themselves, we no longer can do that. We need to move on from Mike Conley. We need to move on from Marc Gasol. In theory, it could be as early as this summer where that decision is made for them if Gasol opts out. But at, at what stage does this team become Jaron Jackson's team in your mind? Because clearly it's not anytime soon. The Justin Holiday trade kind of drives that point home, at least in my mind. That's a good question. Um, I think the time needs to be now that you look at it as Jaron Jackson Jr.'s team, and I, maybe that conflicts with what I said earlier about philosophically. I'm okay with trading away second-round picks. I do feel like they are sometimes overvalued. Uh, and, you know, you're trying to win this year, and you have, I guess, the extenuating circumstances of not owning your draft pick. Um, however, I think that the theoretical, like, would you trade Mike Conley, is a weird question. I've said yes, like, for the last year, I I would entertain any offer for him, but I can never come up with any feasible offers for him. And it's the same way with Marcus Saul, where people are like, the Grizzlies shouldn't be trading to get, you know, like another 29-year-old player in Justin Holiday. They should be looking to trade away Marcus Saul. But with that player option on Gasol's contract, I don't know who is going to be able to trade for him with the matching salary rules. Like no one's going to send you in that much money, $25 million worth of money that expires next year. Cause everyone wants to have that expiring money and the Grizzlies aren't going to take on money through the next season. So I, I don't feel like there's any feasible trades for Mark Gasol or Mike Conley. And that has kind of put them in this situation where they're like, okay, then let's just win as many basketball games as we can. Maybe we'll get lucky. Uh, maybe, you know, some of the teams ahead of us will will fall off and we can make that push for the eighth seed or the seventh seed. And that's what they're doing. And I'm OK with it because, again, um, the like a theoretical Andrew Wiggins trade. So that's an interesting one. I've thrown that around a couple of times where if you view Andrew Wiggins contract as a negative asset, well, then that's how you get that done. And then, you, you know, you could trade Chandler Parsons for for it if you thought it was a negative asset because Chandler Parsons contract expires after next season and Wiggins goes on for I think three years past that it's the same thing with a guy like Nick Batum who's pretty much a corpse of himself his contract goes a year longer than Chandler Parsons so you could get something done with that maybe with the the Trailblazers would want to consolidate like Evan Turner and Myers Leonard who I think their contracts actually their contracts probably match up so that that wouldn't work as far as uh, years into the future um but I, I, don't, I don't think you're going to have the opportunity to trade a Mike or a Mark, even if you wanted to. Like, you know, or if you did, the offers would be so piddling, like here's the second-round pick. You wouldn't trade Marcus Gasol for a second-round pick because his value of just teaching 
Jaron Jackson Jr. basketball and teaching Dylan Brooks basketball is way more valuable than a future asset such as like a second-round pick or something. So to answer your question, the summary of that is I think they should make this as um, Jaron Jackson Jr.'s team, and we're planning around that. But I, I don't think there's any feasible, or at least I haven't heard the feasible trade away Mike and Mark for something trade that makes sense for anybody. I talked about this on the Air Castletine show earlier this week on 92.9 in Memphis. Um, a Suns blogger reached out to me and asked if I would be interested or if he thought, the, if, if he thought I thought the Grizzlies would be interested in Elia Kobo, who's a young player for the Suns, uh, average player, mm-hmm. Hasseltine said. Um, Ryan Anderson's terrible contract. Can you imagine Ryan Anderson and Chandler Parsons being on the same team? And a 2021st-round a, a pick. In yeah. your, going off of what you just said, if that is kind of the going rate for what a Conley would be worth, a, a decent, average young player, a, a bad contract, and a first-round pick, is that worth parting with Mike Conley and what he has meant to this organization? Because I think people lose sight of that, and it's easy to put on the, the shade or, or the blinders and say, you need to get better, you need to move on, you need to move on and start building for the future. But Mike Conley is the only homegrown player the Grizzlies have arguably ever had that, that has been this successful. Marc Gasol is in a similar situation, obviously traded in, but born and raised in Memphis. The Grizzlies are still trying to establish a fan base that is generationally based, that they can count on them to keep coming back. If you just blatantly tank, especially at a time where people are looking for you to compete and you make the decision to completely blow it up, you make those kinds of trades and now it's Jaron Jackson and a bunch of young guys and these assets that eventually may pay off three years down the road. You're essentially making the bet that your fan base, which is still in terms of NBA history and it's, you know, infancy to toddlerism or toddlerist uh, timeline. That's probably not the right word, but hopefully people are trying to understand you're a young child in the NBA. You know, the Boston yeah. Celtics are, are settled. The Philadelphia 76ers are settled. Uh, could this Grizzlies fan base, could the city of Memphis support and survive an extended rebuild? They may not have a choice here soon enough. It might just kind of happen that way, depending on what Mark does in the summer. And, and obviously there will come a time when Mark and Mike are no longer on the team. But does it make sense, considering all that, to rush into that reality? I think it sounds like you don't necessarily think so because the value is not there for a trade. But there's some people that want it to be Jaron's team now, and they want to start this process now. I just think that kind of lose sight to the bigger picture. So uh, looking at the Suns team, if you offered me, if you offered me uh, Mikhail Bridges, Ryan Anderson, and uh, a 2020 first-round pick for Mike Conley, I would definitely call in my brain trust and uh, and think real hard about accepting that because um, the Sam Hinkies of the world, I think, would, would do that deal in a heartbeat. Because you clear off Mike Conley's massive contract, you know, with two more years past this year. If you trade away Mike Conley, uh, Mark Gasol might opt out. And you might view that as being okay. And so then you have completely opened up your salary. I guess next year is not great because you still have Chandler Parsons on the books. But then you have Jaron Jackson Jr., Dylan Brooks, and Kyle Anderson. And, that, and uh, also in my scenario, Mikhail Bridges, who I, I kind of think is great. So – that would be a tough one. You know, if you offer me something like that, uh, that, that is more like it. And there's a couple, um, uh, if the Sacramento Kings, if Dave Yeager 
decided he, he, he badly wanted Gasol for whatever reason. They can match the contracts. They can send Zebo back here, uh, and like they, they have salary cap room. They, they could take something in if they would throw in a first-round pick. Um, I, Mike Conley probably doesn't make any sense alongside De'Aaron Fox, but you know, it, like a team like that, that makes sense. But it'd be hard. You know, as an NBA executive, you're supposed to think with your head, not with your heart. There is some of those arguments about whatever the homegrown fan base in Memphis, which I don't completely buy in on. Uh, I, I have a Grizzly season tickets, and uh, I live in Nashville, so I hardly ever go to the games, and I resell most of them. And the, the market is so soft. Like, it's so hard to resell games. Like, people don't go. And the you could have the gone to the Pistons me, game for $5 on Wednesday night. I looked up the price. Right. Oh, yeah, you yeah. You could have so, gone for so 5 I, bucks. Yeah, so I have, uh, I have, pretty, I have okay tickets. I could not sell them. Like, could not sell them at, like, 90% off. You know, like, like they just went unused. People don't go to the games. Even when the Grizzlies were in the playoffs, you still had Mike Conley buying 500 tickets to give away for playoff games. So uh, the, the whole we can't tank because this market will go away. The market is not very strong, period. I don't know, I don't know how much it will change, um, you know, if they do completely bottom out. But uh, I, I don't know if you can worry about that too much. But that Suns trade is more intriguing, is more along the lines of something what I would do, a, a completely expiring contract. Although I guess Ryan Anderson has some money guaranteed for next season. Yeah, I right. probably still wouldn't do it. <laughs> no, it definitely makes things tricky. And I think if you look at Marcus Gasol, I had a conversation with a Lakers writer the other day. Um, I, I think you could see them being interested in Mark to the extent of even moving on from a Brandon Ingram, a Kyle Kuzma, or a Lonzo Ball, one of those three. But the Anthony Davis situation muddies that so much. I think they're going to wait to see what happens with AD because they certainly don't want to trade for AD and Gasol. That kind of defeats the purpose. They're trying to bring in a Kawhi or somebody like that to be that third man alongside uh, LeBron and whoever the next guy is. And obviously Anthony Davis would be preferred over Mark Gasol. Uh, We're finishing up here with Keith Parrish of the Fast Break Breakfast Podcast. Make sure you're following them on Twitter at Fast Break Break if you don't already do so. Terrific content over there. Uh, we were going to talk about Chandler Parsons, but we'll, we'll, we'll say Justin Holliday uh, was the main kind of culprit towards taking away Chandler Parsons' time. Uh, in general, Chandler Parsons just kind of has to get back on the court, and the Grizzlies seem to be content with him being where he's at. I do think that the Justin Holliday tri- deal maybe even makes it less likely, which is kind of funny that, that Chandler Parsons comes back because I, there's not necessarily a need. The, the, who's he going to play in front of? You know, Who's he going to take time from? in that rotation, I just don't necessarily see it. Maybe he could be a 10th guy, but um, I want to get your take on the schedule moving ahead. And obviously the holiday edition changes this question a little bit. It ties into the GBB live question of the day. I do this every week when we have a show. Uh, Today's question of the day was what will be the record of the Memphis Grizzlies at the end of January? They have 15 games left. They are currently 18 and 19. The options were between 33 and 19 which would mean that they'd go 15 and 0 and 30 and 22, which would mean that they would go 13 and what are they? No, they're 18, 18 and 19. So they would go 12 and 12 and three over their last 15 games. Um, That seems a bit lofty Uh, between 29 and 23 and 26 and 26, maybe a little bit more realistic between 25 and 27 and 22 and 30, which would be kind of a bottoming out. And then between 21 and 31 and 18 and 34. So 18 and 34, they would literally lose every game they have left on the schedule. Um, 
the the winner uh, of the over 210 voters that uh, took part, thanks to everybody who voted in the poll this week, 48% of the vote goes to between 25 and 27 and 22 and 30. So that means that Grizzlies fans, as of right now, see the best that they can do uh, considering their current record. And again, they are 18 and 19. They see the best that they could do as seven and eight moving forward in January and the worst that they could do as four and 11. So fans have them having a, uh, a below average January to say the least. What do you have for them, Keith? Uh, what, what do you see this team doing moving forward? Because January has a lot of home games. They have a five-game homestand. This should be theoretically an opportunity for them to gain some ground back, not necessarily be a playoff team, because if you look at the standings, they're two and a half games back of the Lakers, and you look at the guys that are in front of them, uh, the Lakers, the Spurs, the Clippers, the Blazers, you know, it's hard to see them kind of catching those squads unless they go really get really hot somehow. Um, so I'm with you on the playoff thing, but that was never my goal anyway. But I feel like seven and eight, even with all that's happened to them, still feels a little bit low considering the schedule they have upcoming. I'm not saying it would be much better than that, but I kind of see them hovering around 26 and 26, being a little bit better than they are currently. Uh, where do you have them moving forward through the month of January? Okay, so I'm, I'm looking at the schedule. I feel like if they hit that upper end of that range that the the fans voted seven and eight, I, I would I would uh, think I'd do backflips of happiness actually if they finished seven and eight uh, through January. If they finished January twenty five and twenty seven, th- that's a victory in my in my book. So we have you know the home game on Friday. If anyone listening is in the Nashville area. We're having a watch party at the Mainstay in Nashville, Tennessee. Nice, there you go. For the uh, Grizzlies-Nets game, hosted by Fast Break Breakfast. First drink is on us, uh, if you're in Nashville. Wow. So after after that, uh, they play the Spurs. The Spurs are incredible recently. Um, One of the best teams in the NBA over the last, like, 15, 20 games. Uh, Then they play at the Pelicans. Then then back home against the Spurs. That's not great. Then, uh, I mean, buckle up, Joe. At Miami, at Houston. Home for the Bucks at Boston at Toronto. That's a, the like they're going to be double digit underdogs in four of those. I think. Yeah. I guess the home the, the home game against the Bucks they'll be like uh you know they'll be like six point underdogs or something probably. But then and then so and then you finish up with this big homestand. So the big homestand at the end of January is going to be extremely important, crucial. Uh, the MLK Day game against the Pelicans. Then you play the Hornets, the Kings. The Pacers, who have the best net rating in the NBA over the last 15 games, uh, and the Nuggets, who are number one in the West. So, like, that is brutal. Uh, there's like four games you hope to win. There's only a couple like you should win. But even like the home game against the Kings, the Kings are 21 and 17 as we speak right now. Uh, the home game against the Hornets, the Hornets I think are hovering around 500. So, like, there's no gimme games. This team is struggling for its identity. I do hope. I'm optimistic that the difficulties of the last couple weeks and maybe the last month, this team is figuring out like Jaron Jackson Jr. is our guy. We go as far as this guy goes. Uh, Kyle Anderson is, is, has been learned. This is one of our best players by far. He's now getting 30, 35 minutes a game. That's going to help Justin holiday coming in, replacing those negative minutes of Wayne Selden of Marshawn Brooks of, I hope 
of Joakim Noah, kicks him out of the rotation, takes some of those minutes away from Shelvin Mack, so Shelvin Mack isn't playing 25 minutes. Hopefully that increases this team, you know, gets them back where they need to be. But there are still massive concerns that this team is bad on offense. This team allows a bunch of three-pointers. This team doesn't take the right three-pointers. Uh, and there's just general, I don't know, questions about the coaching staff and, and their strengths that, that I'm worried. So all that to say, if they go 7-8, I would be very, very excited. They lack bench creation. They, they lack a reserve unit that's able to create for themselves. They depend so heavily on Mark and, and Mike and, to a lesser extent, Kyle Anderson, even a Garrett Temple, to kind of be that facilitator. You hope that Justin Holiday can help with that a little bit. But, again, he's not the savior. He's not coming in to save the season. He does make you better than you were. But how much does that add up to? I, I kind of see them going 8-7, and seven, and I think that puts them right around that 26 and 26 mark. I had them winning 39 games this year. And, and, you know, I talked about this with Gary Darby and uh, last week, and and we mentioned how important that homestand is. And that's going to be where you kind of see if Memphis is going to be a buyer or a seller at the trade deadline. I think you make an argument that if they're 26 and 26 and they're three or four games out of the playoffs, maybe you do another move on the margins, trade away someone or something that maybe doesn't hold as much value to you, although you're running out of those things now with the two second round picks gone. Um, you move something to try to improve again a little bit to put yourself in a spot where you bet on Mark and Mike, who you paid so much money to you've invested so much, you know, mental and emotional uh, capital into them as well as the actual money, of course. And you see what you can do that probably won't end. Well, my goal was always to convey the Boston pick. As you mentioned, lots of people have said that. And, and it seems like even though they won't go out, you can't come up with a catchy slogan, Memphis Grizzlies convey the pick, you know, that doesn't really get people <laughs> buying season tickets. Uh, but at the same time, it, it puts you in a spot to kind of start your future around Jaron Jackson jr. To where if Marcus all does leave, then you can look to trade Mike Conley. Then you can start really kind of building that process. To me, if Marcus all did opt out this summer, I don't know that anybody would necessarily blame the Grizzlies front office for moving on from Mike. I kind of see the two as intertwined. If Mark is here to me, Mike should be here. If Mark is gone, then Mike should be gone. Uh, I don't necessarily see one or the other being around without the other. Uh, maybe that's a flaw on my end. I just struggle with that mentally. Um, uh, it, <laughs> where that direction is going is going to be decided by that five-game homestand. And you're right. There's some tough games on there. But if they're still kind of in the boat where they are right now, hovering around 500, I think that you're going to see them try to be minimal buyers at the deadline try to find something similar to what they did for Justin Holiday and improve. So I've got them finishing up at 26 and 26 at the end of the month. Uh, I do think this trade will put a little bit of life in them once Holiday is able to play. They got to try to find a way to win one of these next two uh, going into, uh, let's yeah. see, it's Brooklyn Friday night. You mentioned your watch party, which I'm sure will be a lot of fun in Nashville. And then they're at San Antonio on the second night of a back-to-back. That's always tough. Uh, one of those two has to be a win. I don't expect them to win both by any stretch of the imagination, but one of them has to be a victory. And then you have thir- your third game in four nights is at New Orleans, who you've always struggled with, especially in New Orleans. So it's very possible. And then they got the Spurs again on Wednesday night. So if they go one and three over these next four games, I mean, now you're talking about a team that's 19 and 22. That, that sounds pretty bad. <laughs> Being 19 and 22, especially in a Western conference that continues to kind of solidify itself in terms of its top eight and nine teams you have a week or two of poor play and that really puts you behind the eight ball in terms of being in that 
playoff conversation. And now you have to kind of weigh what the the value is of keeping that 2019 pick. It's going to be really hard to tank if you have Mark and Mike, but it's just kind of this weird purgatory that they find themselves in that's really challenging. Uh, they're not quite good enough to be a playoff team in the Western Conference, at least not in my opinion. But at the same time, they're built to be a playoff team in the Western Conference. And that's just kind of a flaw of the way this team's been built. It kind of starts with the Chandler Parsons contract and all those issues there. Um, yeah, I'm with you. January looks rough uh, in terms of the type of team they're playing. But with all the home games that they have, you hope that they'll be able to be pulled out Keith, or be able to pull it out. Excuse me, Keith. I know I held you a little bit over. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And I look forward to more of your guys's work over at fast break breakfast. I appreciate it, Joe. Thanks for all the kind words. Absolutely. There he goes. Keith. Thank you once again, Keith Parrish of the terrific fast break breakfast podcast. Make sure you're checking him out on Twitter. If you don't already do so at fast break break, Make sure you're listening to their podcast. Give them a review. Do all those fun things. The, the crew at The Step Back does good work, and, and they're a great example of that work. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted we promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. Finishing up here on Grizzly Bear Blues Live, I am your host, Joe Molinax, also the site manager over at grizzlybearblues.com. Uh, we'll finish up with the schedule for the week ahead. The next time we'll be on the Blog Talk Radio Airways will be January 10th. We'll record on Thursday night once again. They have four games between now and then. We just talked about that schedule a little bit versus uh, against Brooklyn in Memphis at San Antonio, the second night of a back-to-back. Then they're at New Orleans on the 7th, and they play the Spurs again on the 9th. I have them going 2-2, two and two, and that's me being completely optimistic. My head says 1-3. and three, My heart says 2-2, two and two, and that'll keep them at 20-21, and 21, and they're still kind of hovering in that holding pattern. I do think that the holiday move will get them one of the two wins between the 7th and the ninth. I think that'll inject some energy. Holiday will be excited to be on a better team. Memphis is better than Chicago. Not, not a high bar to clear, but they are better than them. So I'm going 2-2. Two and two. Again, uh, that might be a little bit lofty. I could certainly see them going 1-3, and three, hopefully not 0-4. That would be disastrous. Uh, but this month is just going to be so fascinating to watch play out because by the end of it, it really is going to be who are you going to be moving forward. This is a gigantic bit of time for the Grizzlies moving forward. And I do think that the tension that you saw on Wednesday night after the Pistons game drives that point home. I think they understand that this is it. This is their season. The next 15 or so games will determine a lot of what their future is going to be. Every game matters. So it's all the more reason to follow the Memphis Grizzlies, all the more reason to follow Keith's great podcast and all the other great content about the Memphis Grizzlies. And of course, all the more reason to check out www.grizzlybearblues.com and Follow us on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies is the site itself at GBB live is our Twitter account. My personal account is at Joe Molinax. We had a great 2018 site traffic is up. Everything's going great. It's much appreciated. It's thanks to all of you for checking us out. Um, That is what makes it possible for us to continue to grow and develop and uh, find our footing as a part of the Grizzlies and NBA blogosphere. So until next time, thanks to Keith for joining us on this podcast. 
Thanks to Justin Holiday for getting traded to the Memphis Grizzlies. Could have made for great conversation. And thanks to you for listening. It is much appreciated. Again, I am the host of GBB Live and site manager of grizzlybearblues.com. Joe Monax saying, grind forth, Grizz Nation. This is Grizzly Bear Blues Live. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details.